Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. I want to talk about humility. I want to talk about humility. Um, I, if you looked at your life right now, would you consider yourself a humble person? I know that's a funny question to ask you, huh? Like, yes, I'm so humble. Oh my gosh. I'm literally the most humble person I know. If that's your response right now, lean in, okay? Um, but humility, like, like in your life, what does that look like? Um, if you're shy, that does not mean humble. You can be shy and very opinionated. You can be shy and super prideful and judgmental and um, critical. I always say this in our, to, to any of our team with leadership. Look, being critical is okay if you're willing to be called forward to be taught how to be a critical thinker. Critical thinkers need to learn how to lead. That's important. But critical spirits have to leave. Critical thinkers can be taught how to lead. Critical spirits have to leave. And so I don't know where you're at, but for me, I can find myself at times, humility is not my first response. So I wanna unpack what a value of humility looks like. So let's define the word humble together. It means having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. I want you to notice that the definition says importance, not value. There is a major issue in our culture when people think being humble is about thinking less of yourself. No, 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 it's about thinking of yourself less, but it's not thinking less of yourself. That's where insecurity is rooted. And the enemy would love people to think they're being humble by actually living insecure and not walking in the fullness that God has for them. So humility is showing modest or low estimate of one's own importance, not proud or haughty. Haughty with it, I'm sorry. Um, you see how that's spelled not arrogant or assertive. And then I, this, this part of the definition was interesting because I think there's much more spiritual implications here. To destroy the power, independence, or prestige of. And then I wrote off to the side, and I would encourage you to, thinking about the flesh. If you don't know, when you're a follower of Jesus and you say yes to him, you get the spirit of God in your life. And for the rest of your life on earth, you've got a battle going on now. You've got a battle between the flesh in the spirit. I always tell people, if you say yes to Jesus and you begin to feel really bad for, for, for sinning and doing things you know you shouldn't do, I, will, I want you to know you're in a good place. Because if you're feeling bad, what it means is, is that the Holy Spirit is present and Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit comes to bring conviction. I'm actually more concerned by people who live wild and crazy and like, I don't feel bad about it. That means there's not another thing at work. But if, there, if there's ever moments where you're living and you're like, man, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have said that, oh, I shouldn't have looked at that. That means that there's another thing at work in your life and it could be one of two things, religion or the Spirit of God. My prayer is, is that it's the Spirit of God because religion will be rooted in fear, the spirit will be rooted in freedom. And so humility, this idea of to destroy the power, independence, or prestige of, I just felt the Lord say, that's what has to happen to the flesh. When you choose to be humble, you are literally destroying the power and the independence and the prestige of your flesh. And in the kingdom of God, there's something really special. In the kingdom, you lose your independence. I know that's tough, we're Americans. But in the kingdom, you lose your independence. But you keep your individuality. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. 
The beauty of the body of Christ is that we are individuals and there are unique gifts and callings and passions on each one of us. But when you say yes to the king, you don't get independence. You are fully dependent on King Jesus in every aspect of your life. So this idea of choosing to be humble has got to look like killing our flesh and following the spirit. When I say flesh, I'm talking about sinful desires. The things that you know, like let's be honest, there's some of you in here like, bro, I'm only here because mom made me and I think this is all whack. And that's fine, you can think that. But please understand today that I, me and you could sit down over a cup of coffee and we could talk through generations of, uh, look at history in all different facets across the world, and we can look at some major things that people engage in, and we can see that it always brought turmoil to families and communities. Now, whether you wanna believe about a God or any of that, but I can show you good and evil. You could show me good and evil. But what I know is when you choose, choose humility, this room, if I said, hey, you get to pick a list of five people in your life, you can either have five prideful or five humble people that'll be your best friends, pick. Bro, if you're in here be like, yeah, I want five prideful, please come talk to me after. We are, we're gonna do a prayer circle for you, okay? <laughs> like no one picks that. And so humility has to be a value, but here's, here's the sad reality for our culture, I have a graph. You might not be able to see it super well. It was a whole new projection system. But up here starts in the 1800s. This is the use over time for the word humble when it comes to literature and language. Starting in 1800, the word humble and the way that it was, it was often used maybe in even certain statements and cultures, but most, mostly in literature, in writing, the word humble in 1800, look how high it is. And over time from the 1800s ending here in 2019 was the last time this, this study was done. And I mean, there's a little bit of increase here. Praise God, all right, all right? Love believes the best. Glass is half full. But that's bad, y'all. I mean, look at this. Our culture is rooted in the opposite of humility. And I just want you to know that a core value of your life, if you want peace, if you want success, is going to have to be humility. And here's the thing about humility is, um, as I was praying over this message, I felt the Lord remind me about the word humiliation. And he began to unpack this truth to me of the difference between humility versus humiliation. And that they are much different while the end goal is supposed to bring you to the same place, here's the reality. Humility is rooted in you choosing to serve others. It's less about you and more about other people. Uh, if you've been around Voyage Church any amount of time, like our heart is to literally live like Jesus and Jesus is the king of kings and he says, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. He flipped kingship on its head. People in the culture are like, what are you talking about? We can look in our culture right now, famous people, whatever it may be, people, they wanna be served. Look at me, serve me, right? I mean, come on, you ever been on a vacation where like you get pampered or something like that? Like, oh man, I kinda like this, like this is nice. I'm not saying don't go on vacation and don't like whatever, but you, we cannot live our life expecting everyone to serve us and think we'll be fulfilled. Because if the king of kings, who literally says in Psalms that he can make other kings' thrones his footstool, dude, that's gangster. When you as a king can look at another king and say, bro, your throne's my footstool. I just wipe my feet. That's the king we serve. But 
he doesn't carry that posture. When he shows up on the earth, he shows up as a lowly, humble servant. And he says, I didn't come to be served. Because all of these people who are leading, who are trying to do well, won't find success unless they humble themselves. I have a friend who's um, been really successful in, in hip hop, and he would have this statement he would make at his concerts as he would just stand up there before one of his songs would start, and he would say, more humble rappers, please. And I was like, ooh, get me a t-shirt. I like that. More humble rappers, please. Because, I mean, think about it, and in a lot of music, but specifically hip-hop, like, it's really easy to be super prideful, right? Like, look at me, look at what I got. Like, dude, what would it look like for someone who's gifted in that way to talk less about themselves and more about others? More about building people up and not tearing people down. Could you imagine what your life and your circle would look like if you spent the majority of your energy building people up and not tearing people down? My wife says often, encouragement, when we were youth pastors, bro, we, we had seasons, we had no budget. Y'all, we was running cables underneath stages to run lights. Like, Man, if fire marshal walks in here, we're done. And then a fire marshal did walk in one time and we were almost done. But <laughs> Mr. Glenn, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's your brother. Um, but... One of the things for Shauna that she said was, John, even if we don't have any money, we don't need a budget for encouragement. And I'll never forget that statement. Like, bro, I don't care what your bank account looks like. You, don't, you know what you don't need a budget for? You don't need a budget to build people up. But you'll struggle to build people up if you don't know the one who by his spirit builds you up. Because what'll happen is, is you'll be like, I, I meet people, positive vibes, spread positivity. And I'm like, yeah, bro, you're only gonna do that until your life falls apart. But only kingdom citizens can actually be going through chaos and everything be negative. Only kingdom citizens can be going through hell and can still bring heaven. Because what happens is you've got an unlimited supply. Where that encouragement comes from is not your supply. So humility is rooted in choosing to be humble, thinking less of yourself, but humiliation is different. Humiliation is choosing pride, and then you end up reaping the reality that pride can't carry you. You know what Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Can I tell you what humbleness does? Humbleness gets you grace and lifts you up. Pride will only let you fall. It's all that'll happen. Every time pride shows up in your life, you will fall. Tell me you haven't been scrolling on YouTube or on TikTok or somewhere on social media and you love watching the videos where some guy looks super, super prideful and trying to be super cool and he just trips and falls flat on his face. I mean, we, it's kind of funny. I'm not saying we should like build all of our humor from that, but I'm just saying that why is that? It's because when you see someone like walking in pride and then they fall, it's actually just the reality and manifestation of what pride does. It will always bring a fall. And so I want you to know that choosing humility does not mean that God wants to humiliate you. Because I think sometimes if we're struggling with sin or whatever, we think like, man, if anybody finds out about this, I'm gonna be humiliated. No, no, no. Being humble gets you grace, and grace does the opposite of humiliation. Grace lifts, grace covers, grace protects. Grace will launch you into a future that looks way different than your past. But God desires us to, I'm just telling you the way is to choose humbleness now. You don't wanna wait for humiliation later. You don't wanna wait for that. 
Jesus set the standard for humility, leaving the throne, coming to serve. So there's this quote that I read that I'm going to read for the next couple of weeks. Um, and it, it was pretty interesting. It's by a theologian named Richard Foster. Listen to this. I got it on the screen for you. The flesh whines against service but it screams against hidden service. It strains and pulls for honor and recognition. See me, look at me. It will devise subtle, religiously acceptable means to call attention to the service rendered. Look at what I'm doing. Am I doing a good job? If we stoutly refuse to give in to this lust of the flesh, we crucify it. And every time we crucify the flesh, we crucify pride and arrogance. Look at me. There are so, you're seeing me stand up here and preach right now. This is not about me. This has always been about Jesus and it'll always be about Jesus. And there's a lot of hidden service that you're sitting in a room right now that you didn't see. You didn't see when one of the clean crew people walked up to me and said, hey, Pastor John, did you see anything in the building that maybe needed a little extra attention? And I said, yeah, there's about three inches right here that I could tell was really, really dirty. If you could get down, they were down here, hands and knees. That was hidden service. And guess what they're not asking? They're not asking me to tell you that. And, and the reason is, is because when you have an encounter with Jesus and his spirit, you just want to crucify your flesh. Pride, arrogance, stay far from me because I've found that humility gets me the grace that I desperately need. I'm in need of this. James 4, 4 through 10 says this, you adulterers, welcome to church, hallelujah. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you wanna be friends with the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. Let that marinate for a second, that when God puts his spirit in you, he says he's passionate, that the spirit he's put in you would stay faithful to him. So guess what, pride, you've got to be crucified. Arrogance, stay far from me because this spirit that God put in me, it's not my spirit, it's his spirit. And he's passionate that this spirit would stay faithful to him. I'm on the voyage of following Jesus all the days of my life. I'm not looking to the left or to the right. My eyes are fixed and locked on him. God's spirit has to stay faithful to him. And so that means I've got to choose humility. He goes on and he says, and, and he gives he gives grace generously as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Look at me right now, no more divided loyalty. God's looking for loyal people. And all of you desire loyalty. There's not a single one of you, young people, looking for a dating relationship. Please tell me, first off, get off some of the apps you're on because you probably ain't gonna find them on the app. But second of all, please do not tell me that you put in the app, yeah, I really like someone with divided loyalty. No, it's always like, I'm looking for someone loyal. I want loyal. No one walks around, divided loyalty, please. Yep, please have a relationship with me, but you can have a couple other. No, no one wants this. It's literally telling us, many of us, the reality is if we look at our lives, we've got a loyalty divide. I love you, God. Man, I love God. But I, I love a little bit of that too. And God's like, no, 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 no more divided loyalty. And then look what he says. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. And let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. I know when I just read that, some of you are all like, this is like doom and gloom and bad and what's going on? 
you miss the end because it says humble yourself and he'll lift you up in honor. The joy that you seek is found on the other side of your humility. The peace that you seek is found on the other side of your humility. First Peter 5, 6 through 7 says this, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Like I just said it again, another scripture, humble yourself, God will lift you up in honor. When, how many times have you and I tried to get ourselves to a place before the appointed time that God had? It says that if I'll just humble myself, what I love about being humble is it puts you in this place of waiting and choosing to wait and choosing to trust God's timing over your timing. And then I love verse seven, give all of your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. He cares about you. Look at someone and say, he cares about you. So to close out, I wanna read you Matthew seven and I wanna give you a couple things that we have to do when it comes to humility. Because if you're honest with yourself, you're opinionated and you're critical. Love you. If I'm honest with myself, I'm opinionated and I'm critical, right? And if you're not, please come ask me for coffee. I wanna learn how you have completely crucified your flesh. But I was riding my bike the other day. I did an 82 mile ride. Um, and uh, one of the things with long rides is um, uh, when I'm building a route, uh, logging the miles for me is important because sometimes like with heart rate monitor and different stuff, I'm not very good at math. I'm having to get better at math the more I do long distance cycling because I got to figure out like where, where my strengths were and what zone I was in in certain times. And so logging my miles is really, really important. So on my Garmin computer, it'll tell me when I've hit a lap. And right now my laps are five miles. So every five miles I'm on a new lap. And so then I'm able to go into my laps and be like, okay, I stayed in zone two for that heart rate. And so logging miles is, is important for me being able to measure the growth. And I had this thought on logging humility. Like logging humility in certain seasons of your life. Man, how humble am I right now in this situation? My boss just ticked me off. How humble am I right now? Because what it does is it helps you measure the health that God has called us to live in. And if we don't figure out how to walk in humility, what we end up walking in is we walk in judgment. And I want you to know in this room that judgment is rooted in religion. Judgment is rooted in religion. It's why all the religious people hated Jesus. And so I want, I want you to see what Jesus says in Matthew 7. He says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And then ready? Talking about log and miles, measurement. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. How many times have you been judging somebody and been critical? And if someone turned around and used that measure to you, it get real uncomfortable real quick. You know what I'm talking about? So he goes on and he says, and why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, come on, Jesus. I love when people say, I ain't going to church full of hypocrites. Bro, we can take another one, come on. He says, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Jesus, what he's doing here is he's saying, hey, some of y'all are trying to masquerade as being a help and pointing things out, but you haven't actually let God address your issue. And I think for far too long, 
in church, Christians as a whole, we've built this, this judgmental religious culture and we just inspect everybody. Sorry for my play on words, preacher talk. You're always looking at everybody else's speck when you've got a log that is undealt with. Now, if we think about that analogy in full, like have you ever gotten like a little something in your eye? The only way that I could probably tell you had a little something in your eye from a distance is the fact that you're like this. And I'm like, are you okay? Is there something in your eye? And then if you were like, well, you look in my eye, I might have to get real close to be able to see that speck. Do you have people that can get close enough in your life to see the speck? Or do you keep everybody at bay and you got walls good enough so that nobody gets close? So then you just live in this annoyance and this trauma and this pain that you cannot get past because you don't have anyone close enough in your life to see the speck in your eye? This scripture is not about not pointing out specks. It's making sure that the people in your life don't have a log, because ready? If I have a log sticking out my eye and I try to get close to you, y'all ducking. Yeah. What are you doing? The sad reality is that the logs that many of us walk around with affect the entire room you walk in. people walking on eggshells, dodging, diving. That's just how I am. That's just my personality. No, you're a jerk and you need to let Jesus change your heart. Like, I'm sorry. That's just literally not what he's called you to. Well, I just speak my mind. That's how I am. But if you love Jesus, he tells you to bridle your tongue. And so you lost your independence. You don't get to just speak your mind all the time. Can I tell you that if you want to have an opinion, have an opinion. Opinions are not always okay to share. I've learned this. I was, I've been married 11 years yesterday. Come on. It's incredible. I don't know why she's put up with me for 11 years. Because I've had some logs, right? Had some issues. But we have to be willing to let people close enough. But man, what a danger it would be if someone said, man, I'd really love for you to be close enough to help me with this because I love you. But I can't let you close if you won't deal with that. And then he closes this with verse six. Do not give what is holy to dogs. I don't have time to preach a message on dating, but ladies, you go ahead and take that however you want. Um, But girl, don't you give something holy to dogs, okay? You're worth it. You're valuable. Hallelujah. Let's move on. And don't throw your pearls before swine, for they will trample them under feet and turn and tear you to pieces. In other words, if you're going to let somebody close to help you inspect the speck, make sure it's people that you're like, no, I can trust my time and my energy and my effort in these relationships. These are people that, that love God and value the things of God. They have the same values as me. Because look, some of us, you got people you love and they've been in your family and friends for a long time, but you're calling people for advice that just don't stop, just don't, don't, don't call them anymore, Okay. And they've given you bad advice for the past decade and it ain't working. You've got to find the right people to inspect the spec. So here's what I want to do real quick. If you're taking notes, write this down. Note takers are history makers. You and I have to always be willing to admit that I might have a log in my eye. Because when you are, it brings you to the place of humility. And can I just tell you that humility is always the best place to start. So I never do this. So I feel like a teacher right now. L. L, 
log, L-O-G, L is lens. Write that down. L is lens. You have a lens. And that's actually written wrong. It should be your log can create a lens. The log in your eye, the thing that you're walking through, the trauma that you went through as a kid, the, the hurt that you experienced, that log, that issue that is undealt with, it'll create a lens. And so you'll look at all relationships this way. You'll look at trusting people this way. And I just want you to know that everybody in this room has a lens based upon what you've experienced and what you've walked through. The reality is, is that God wants to give you a new lens. What we call a biblical worldview is that I don't take what the world gives me and look at this through the lens of the world. I let this be my lens. This is my filter that I look at everything through. Because here's the thing, even if you're in this room, you're like, oh my gosh, all this Jesus, God stuff, these people, can you believe there's people in here shouting amen? Can you believe there are people raising their hands? They're here in elementary school. What the heck are they doing? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you're in this room and you do not believe God, you could not look at me and say that those nine things are bad ways to live. You would lose the argument. Why? Because those are the best way to live. Now, we happen to believe that there's only one way to find them, and it's God because he is the essence of all of those things. But your log will create a lens, and you and I need a new lens. Look at somebody and say, you need a new lens. Oh, the lens creates opinions. The lens creates opinions. And, and this was something I was talking with my leadership coach your opinions and thoughts can oftentimes over time become your truth. But can I just tell you something about your truth? If your truth is not his truth, it's not truth. And that can be uncomfortable, that cannot be fun to talk about, but just know that you will live a much more uncomfortable life at the end by living in your truth. There is a way, he is the way, Jesus, the truth and the life. Your lens will create opinions. So you've got this issue, this thing that's been undealt with, this unforgiveness, this person you won't forgive because of what they did for you has created this log in your life. Now it's your lens, the way you look at everything. Now you've built these opinions and now you're this person where you're like, I don't even know how it happened. Mom said that I was like this real sweet little girl at seven and now I'm 17 and like I hate everybody and everybody knows it. And I'm quick on comebacks. I can come back quicker than anybody. I can cut you down, like whatever it is. And it, what has happened is this lens has now created opinions and you've built walls. And I just want you to know today, if you're sitting here, you're like, oh my gosh, it sounds like me. This is good news. You can be free. But what you're walking in is not the reality that God died for you to live within. Now, I want to be very clear. That doesn't mean that you don't get your personality that you don't get the uniquenesses and the gifts and the, the calling and the humor. All that's from God. But we can't let it be tainted by pride. It actually is in health when it's in humility. And then G is this, that lens and opinion become a guide. They become a guide. In other words, the log will begin to govern your eye. You'll look at something and twist it. You'll look at a situation and immediately believe the worst when love believes the best. How do, how, man, I hear about people talking about love believing the best and that's just dumb. Like that's just not wise. That doesn't make any sense. The log's affecting you. It's affecting you. And humility will give you the grace that you need to deal with that lens, to get rid of those opinions and to get, are you ready? A new guide. 
I'm going to give you four things really, really, really fast. I know all preachers say that. It's fine. Number one, when we notice the speck, we have to inspect ourselves. Psalms 139, David says, search my heart, O God. Man, when was the last time you were like, man, I got I to gotta inspect myself. Like, I got to look at myself. I got to look and see, man, is there some stuff I haven't dealt with? Because young people, I was praying over you guys the other day with this message and thinking about, man, there is a future spouse, there's future friendships, future kids that are begging you to inspect yourself now, that are begging you in the future to ask God to search your heart now. Because there's some adults in the room and some people who a little more seasoned and lived, lived a little bit more life. And if you could get across the table with them, and I know sometimes you can think like, oh, they don't know. They do know, and they know so much that if they could go back to your season, they would probably wish that they had invited God into those spaces. Is there anybody a little more seasoned in the room that wish you'd invited God into those spaces? And so when we, when we notice a speck, we have to inspect ourselves. We have to get to a place where we're watching what we say. Because often if you'll listen to how you're talking, it's revealing the log. Luke 6.45 says this, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from your heart. If you want to know what log you might have in your life, go ahead and look at the words that you say. The words that you're speaking, the way you talk to your spouse, the way you talk to your kids, and then invite God and ask him, to inspect and reveal it. Because here's what we have to do. You and I have to understand what's going on in our lives. Someone said this to me the other day. Have you ever seen like the, the videos on social media that was like, what's something you learned recently like blew your mind? And then they're like showing you that like a Coke can actually turns into a hammer. Not really, but you know what I'm talking about. And you're like, what the heck? I didn't know that's what that was for. Someone said this to me the other day and I was like, oh my gosh. To understand is to have a foundation. It's actually to put something under your standing. I know. About 40 of y'all are like, dang. <laughs> to understand is to have a foundation, to put something under your standing. Can I tell you that your understanding is not it? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him and he'll make your path straight. We've got to ask God to inspect. We've got to ask God to give us a foundation to stand on. And humility is one of the beginning places of that foundation. Number two, after we inspect, we have to respect. Listen to me, respect the reality of God's word. In life, we have to respect the integrity of his word because his word rings true. I said it earlier, you reap what you sow. He says, don't judge or you'll be judged. He says, speak the truth in love. He says, blessed are the humble, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the, are the peacemakers. We have to respect the word of God. When you say, God, inspect my heart, reveal to me, I need you to know that your next step is to respect this and say, even if this isn't comfortable at the beginning, it's bringing me to ultimate comfort. I have to respect the reality of this word, that it is true from beginning to end. His word is true. Number three, after respecting the reality of God's word, you and I have to know that you are only seeing an aspect. Look, those moments that you're judging other people, let's be honest, in those moments where you're like thinking something or you hear something and you're like, can you believe, I heard so-and-so said this, I can't believe. You're only seeing an aspect. You probably don't have the full story. For those that immediately 
think everything is negative, you probably don't know the full story. And so there's a statement that I heard years ago that made me feel really uncomfortable. And the more I lived in it, the more comfortable I got. And it was this. And if, if you think that this is harsh and you don't want to come back, I apologize. Um, but we do say something around here. We call it stick for six. We think it's going to take you about six weeks to scratch the culture of our church and the surface and what God's doing. If you don't like it, we'd love to help you find another church. All right. So after I make this statement, actually, no, if you're a first time guest, just go ahead to yourself and say, I'm going to stick for six. Okay. If you didn't see it with your own eyes or hear it with your little ears, then don't reinvent it with your small mind and speak it with your big mouth. The clap comes awkwardly because a lot of us are like, dang, I did that last night. <laughs> I, I saw what they said on Facebook and then I just went and if you didn't see it with your own eyes or hear it with your little ears, then don't reinvent it with your small mind and speak it with your big mouth. You're only seeing an aspect. You don't have the full story. And sometimes it's like, well, I'm going to become an investigator. I'm going to find out the full story. Look, I think there's, there's important times to communicate and to figure things out, right? But when was the last time you got alone with God and said, God, bring clarity? God, is this even something worth me running after? Or do I just need to humble myself, apologize, and move on? Can I tell you something that will help so many married people in the room? I've told Shauna this over the past few years because I was really bad at it, and it's something I felt the Lord called me to. I want to be a master apologizer. I'm, like, committed to figuring out how to be a master apologizer. And you know what that looks like? Killing your pride and arrogance. Killing it. And can I tell you that if there's moments where you're like, God, I just need clarity here and you pray for it and you don't know what to do. Mark eight, Jesus actually prays for a blind man and his sight only halfway comes back and Jesus has to pray for him again. So can I just tell you something? If you're asking God for clarity, trying to figure out the log, trying to help other people and you've prayed and you don't know what to do. And I talk to people all the time, like I prayed, I don't know what to do. Pray again, pray again. Look at somebody say, pray again. And then number four, the last one is this. The last one is this, retrospect retrospect, looking back. A healthy retrospect is connected to humbleness. And, and here's what I mean by this. I don't want to move forward in my life and look back at a season and get angry again, stressed out again, confused again, and frustrated with people all over again. If I do, then I've missed the moment to be humble. And so here's a couple things I can just give you. Repent often, change your mind consistently, pivot and turn to the things of God over and over and over and over again. Because to be a people of humility is not going to be fun, but it's going to be freeing. Which one do you want? Which one do you want? Because I, I'm with you. It's easier to be opinionated. It's easier to be critical. It's easier to be prideful. But longevity, the voyage, if you will, is rooted in humility. Micah 6 verse 8 says this. Basically, God's speaking through the prophet and talking about like, can we bring God a bunch of burnt offerings? Can we bring God, you know, more cows? Can we bring him more rams? Like, what do we need to sacrifice? And can we do this? Can we do this? In verse eight, God says, no, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. 
And this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Man, what, if, if you're like, no, I don't even know where to root my life. Root your life and do what's right. And can I just help us all real quick? Because this is one of the things I had to learn is do the right thing the right way. You know you can do the, the right thing the wrong way, right? I'm sorry. Sorry. There, I said it. Oh, it's not good enough for you? Do the right thing the right way. I, I could add one more word. Do the right thing in the right way. This is what God requires, to do what is right, to love mercy. You do understand the difference between mercy and grace, right? Grace is getting something you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. When you choose humility, you choose to put mercy on people and say, man, even if they did what was wrong, God didn't give me what I deserve. I'm not giving others what they deserve. And I'm telling you that this kind of living, this don't make sense to the world. This is why you can't have divided loyalty. It has to be God, I'm all in. But can I tell you everything we've talked about today, this is attractive living. This is the kind of living that makes people's heads turn. Young people, this is the kind of living when someone backstabs you and you just treat them with love and grace and you humble yourself, your friends are like, man, you're weak. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So another word for humble is meek, M-E-E-K. If you think being meek is weak, try being meek for a week. I got bars. <laughs> but, but seriously, if you think being humble is a weak thing, oh man, you're weak. Like, I can't believe you let them walk all over you. Go ahead and try to walk in that posture for an entire week, bridling your tongue, believing the best, not being opinionated. Go ahead and see if it's weakness or if it requires a strength that can only come from above. We stand to your feet today. One of our values is we wanna be a people of humility. But can I tell you one of my favorite things about humility? If you're like, I don't really know where to start. I don't know what to do. Should I apologize to my wife now or when we get in the car? <laughs> this is where I believe one of the birthplaces of humility is. Humility is birthed in worship. Humility is birthed in worship. Yeah, there's a lot back there. It's really cool. Guys, look, we're a young church. We got kids everywhere. There's babies sleeping. There's babies. There's, you know, when kids are running around, just say hallelujah there in church. Amen. Man, Pastor John, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start. Yeah, I'm prideful. Yeah, I'm opinionated. I'm hard-headed. I don't know where to start. Man, I, I, I don't know. That feels like a really tall order. I don't know if I can change all these things overnight. Like, I'm going to need to make a Stop. Begin to worship. Begin to worship. Begin to posture yourself in a place of humility, saying, Jesus, you're greater than anything. You're greater than me. God, I, I submit to your ways. God, you don't have opinions. All you have is truth. So I put my opinions aside and I just humble myself underneath your hand. God, forgive me for times I've tried to elevate myself and I haven't waited for your way. Begin to worship. Begin to worship. It's the birthplace of humility. And when you do, some of the things you've been trying to fix in your marriage, you'll begin to find, wait a second, I haven't been responding or reacting that way because humility is being birthed in the place of worship. And don't you dare wait till next Sunday to worship again. You wake up tomorrow morning, you say, Alexa, we about to worship, girl. Make your coffee, 
And one of the things about our church is we want to see people walking in this daily, daily with Jesus. So as the team leads us over these next few moments, here's what I'm going to ask. If you're in this room and you're like, man, I, I got a log I have not dealt with. I've never forgiven my father. I've never forgiven my mother. I've never forgiven myself, how I treated my kids when they were little. And now they're teenagers and they don't want to be home and they hate me and, and I hate myself. Can I just tell you, let Jesus deal with that log today. He'll give you grace. Your best days of parenting are ahead of you. They're not behind you. He sees you. He's for you. He's not against you. You haven't wasted the best days of your life. If you have Jesus, best days are only ahead. Best days are always ahead. Maybe you're in this room and there's an addiction that's become your log. It's a hidden addiction. And your wife is always like, I don't know what it is between us. You're like, there's nothing, there's nothing, we're fine. But you know, you know, the thing that you retreat to on that screen over and over again, that thing that you buy that you hide in that one compartment that she won't find or he won't find, that one relationship at work where you let conversation go a little too far. I know I'm saying stuff like, whoa, 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 pastor. Like, I just want to come to church, sit in some white chairs in the cafeteria and come in and out. You came to the wrong place because I'm letting you know that there's a God that if you'll humble yourself, he's not here to go, that's right. Can't, I can't believe, grace, 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 because humility gets grace that lifts you. Pride will only let you fall. Staying hidden is only gonna bring you to a place of failure, but humility brings grace. If you're here today and you're like, man, I, I don't know if I've got anybody in my life that can help me inspect the speck. I haven't let anybody close enough. You're at a great place. That's what the bride of Christ is for. That's where you begin to build relationships. You serve with people. You connect in groups. Because you can't do this life alone. If you could, Jesus wouldn't have died for a church. He would have just died for a bunch of individuals. But he died for the bride of Christ, his church. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to respond. And if you're in here today and you're like, Pastor, I've heard you say all this stuff, and dude, I don't even know where to start. It very well could be the reality that you haven't come to a place where you've submitted your life to God. And if that's you, dude, today's your day. There's no greater time than right now to say, Jesus, I repent of the old ways. I turn to your way. I want to live for you all the days of my life and literally in your own words. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not counting you and calling a bunch of pastor friends and say 27 people got saved. I just want you to have an encounter with Jesus and be honest with him for the first time in your life. Just tell him right where you're at right now. Jesus, I repent. I give you everything. I'm following you all the days of my life and begin to humble yourself. And when you do, he'll lift you up in honor. He'll bless you. He'll pour out his grace. So Father, right now we thank you that as we worship, God, we posture ourselves in humility as a people who are committed to humility. Jesus, that we want our lives to show your grace and your goodness. And so, Father, I pray over every person in the room right now. God, the ones who know that they got to let go of some opinions. They got to release some forgiveness. 
because that log has been weighing them down. And so Holy Spirit, we invite you right now. We want to walk in health and humility. And so will you come do a work in us in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city.